please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the gift of a new day. And Lord, we pray, Father God, that you would open all of our hearts and all of our ears to receive the word that you have for us. We pray, Lord, that you would increase and I would decrease. We pray, Father God, that our faith, love, and hope in you would be enlarged and enlivened as a result of your word. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be with you again. Now, many of you know me, and some of you do not, but my name is Father Travis Wilson, and I am our Director of Family Ministry here at Christ Church. I want to say a special thank you to Dean Paul, who has invited me to come and be able to preach this morning. Please pray for Dean Paul as he's taking S. Sophie Jane, or SJ as we like to call her, to school up in Canada where she's starting college. So prayers for that would be awesome. Now, this morning I have a blessing of looking at one of my favorite texts. This morning we get to talk about the gospel. This morning we get to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. Our lectionary text this morning is Matthew 16, and we read 24 to 28. But to give a little bit of background, a little bit of context, we need to kind of look at where we have been. So if you look ahead a little bit before verse 24, you will see Jesus has opened up to his disciples, and he's asked them the question, who do you say that I am? And if you recall, this is Peter's big moment. Peter looks and says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. But then Jesus begins to roll out what it means for him to be the Christ and to be the Messiah. He goes on to say, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer and die. But on the third day, I will be raised again. And at this point, we know Peter rebukes Jesus and says, far be it from you. And Jesus then looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Right? Get behind me, Satan. For you do not have the things of God on your mind, but the things of man. It's on the heels of this that now Jesus looks out to the rest of his disciples and he begins to share, this is what it means to follow me. Now, I do want to start by saying, I think Peter gets a bad rap, right? We look at Peter and we go, Peter, what are you doing? What are you missing? But at the same time, think about what it is that Jesus is saying. So when Jesus tells the disciples to deny themselves, what does that mean for them? What does that mean for Peter? What does it mean for the rest of them? What does it mean for you and I? You see, Peter had clear expectations for what he thought it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah, the Christ. He knew that, okay, if you are the Messiah, then you're going to come in. You're going to come in with all the bootstraps, the authority, the power. We're going to Jerusalem, and Jesus, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I mean, remember, this is Peter that in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they come to arrest Jesus, what does Peter do? He takes up his sword and says, let's go, it's time. But Jesus looks at him and says, no, Peter, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. That is not how I'm to become king. Whoo! I mean, come on. 
Peter's wrestling, but, but this is how, like, you can't suffer and die. That's where all the wannabe messiahs go. Anyone that tries to lay claim to Rome, anyone that tries to declare themselves as God or king, the cross is where they end up. So how is you suffering and dying at Romans' hands, how is that victory for us? That's where every failed rebellion ends up. But see, that's what happens when we trust our own perspective rather than trusting in God's. Right? This is the same God who says, for my ways are high above your ways and my thoughts high above your thoughts. But sometimes we struggle to follow Jesus like Peter because we're holding so tightly to think our idea of how God should act in our lives. So when God misbehaves, when tragedy strikes, when loss happens, when life happens, we don't know what to do. So let's hear the invitation that Christ gives. Would we deny ourselves? To deny oneself is to put our trust in his way that even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem, when it seems just downright backwards, that I'm gonna trust that. I'm gonna trust that God's perspective is greater than mine. I'm gonna trust that I am limited. I am limited. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, take up your cross. What a terrifying image. What a terrifying image. And yet Jesus is saying, come, this is where we're going. This is where I'm headed. I mean, praise be to God that Jesus is not some bait and switch kind of God. Like, hey, follow me and it's going to be great. We're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to hit up this kingdom and that kingdom. No bad thing's ever going to happen to you ever again. No. Jesus lays it and makes it plainly clear. One, deny yourself. Now take up your cross. Give me your whole life. The cross can be a scary thing, can it not? I mean, Look at 16th century reformer Thomas Cramner. Now, some of you know who Cramner is, and some of you are like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Thomas Cramner really was the father of the English Protestant Reformation, a major, major, major player. He advocated and wrote and desired that the Bible would be in the hands of every person. He wanted everyone to have access to Scripture. He's the one that designed and put together and synthesized the original prayer book that we use. We use an edition of it today even. Like this is very much, as Anglicans, this is like a father to us of our faith. But as I prepared for the sermon, the fascinating thing about Cramner, that he was a flawed man. That he wavered. When Mary became queen, she sought to restore England back to Roman Catholic rule. And so she began to kill and to persecute any of those who were professing any sort of Protestant faith. At the time, Cramner was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And so when she became queen, one of the first things that she did was she put two 
of Cramner's friends to death. She burned them at the stake. Most scholars would agree that Cramner had to watch. And guess who was next? Will he recant? Will he deny these things that he's fought for? And sadly, in the privacy of his cell, he does. He gives in to the fear. But praise God, that's not where Cramner's story ends. Right, we would not be sitting here if that's where the story ended, but that's not where the story ends. Because you see, Cramner, as part of the agreement, would then have to go and in the pulpit declare all these things, to renounce all the things that he taught, all the things that he believed. And the beautiful thing is, he gets into that pulpit and he goes, no, I renounce my recantation. I believe the authority of scripture. I believe that the Bible should be in the hands of every believer. And then he even goes on to say, when I go to the stake, I will put this my hand into the fire first because it was the hand that offendeth. And before he could even finish speaking, he's pulled out of the pulpit, dragged to the stake and burned. And as, he, as the flames rise up, he puts his hand into the fire as he said he would. And I want you to hear what his final words were. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This man who originally was afraid to lose his life, was afraid of going to the stake, would end up running to the stake and putting his hand in the fire first. Why? What happened? He remembered the promise. He remembered what Christ had done. That Christ is life. That though there might be death on this side, Christ is victorious. And we can hold on to that promise that, oh man, life is here. Because he holds on to that. It's God who has enabled him. It's God who gives Cramner that courage in that moment. And sometimes in our lives, when we face the hard things in life, we need to remember that even though we may not see the promise realized in this life, even when we still face death, praise God, it is Christ that has the last word. You see, for us, many of us are not gonna face martyrdom. Some in the room might be called to missions. I'm not gonna say it's not gonna happen, but the likelihood is not that likely. But you and I are all invited to follow Jesus. And you and I all have a cross that we're called to bear, a hill that we're gonna have to face that's gonna compete for our affection, compete for our life, complete for our trust. And we're gonna have to choose, will we trust him? Will we trust in his way? Will we trust in his promises? Now, I've already gotten pretty real with y'all, but I'm gonna get a little bit more. Get a little, a little vulnerable with y'all. 
almost two years ago to the day, I would be in Pittsburgh in my fall of my final year of seminary when I get a phone call that my sister Kimberly was in the hospital and that it was, it was not looking good. Now, the thing that you have to understand is my sister Kimberly was the epitome of health and innocence. You see, Kimberly had a learning disability. So she couldn't read, write, or drive, but she was extremely high-functioning. She lived with my parents her whole life. She was a caregiver. My mom had actually been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma just a couple years ago. Uh, before that, and, and Kelsey and I had had the conversation of, okay, if something happens to my mom, we'll take dad and Kim. Or if something happens to my dad, we'll take mom and Kim. But it was never a question of my, losing my sister. But then all of a sudden, I got this phone call, and I'm on a plane, and I'm heading back. One thing you should know is, if it wasn't for the loss of my sister, I wouldn't be here at Christ Church today. I wouldn't be preaching in front of you today. You see, Kelsey and I had spent that time, we had discerned, and we felt like, okay, we're ready. We're gonna church plant in San Diego. We know it's gonna be hard. We had counted the cost. We were ready to do it. We had family and friends there. But then this call. And this was the Lord's invitation. Trav, will you trust me? Will you follow me in the midst of this really hard and painful season? From symptoms to diagnosis to passing was only six weeks. And I'll never forget when I landed in San Diego and I greet my mom as she's just got the news that her daughter is going to die. And now I'm holding my mom and I'm having to do and say and comfort a mother who should never have to experience what she's experiencing. As my mom looks at me and goes, how am I gonna live without my Kimberly? Why would he take her? moments like these where our view of Jesus can either get smaller or it can get bigger. And I happen to believe that he is Lord and that he is life. And so I was able to look at my mom and say, Mom, do you know what we believe about the Eucharist? Do you know what we believe about communion? And I go on to tell her, Mom, because of what Christ has done, because of who he is, because of his promise, when we go to this table, when we come there, he is present. And you know what we believe, Mom? We sing, right? Joining our angels with archangels and the whole company of heaven who forever sing this praise. We believe that in some powerful way where Christ is present, his saints are present with him. So I said, Mom, every time you go to this table, Kim is there and Christ is there because we serve a God of the living and not a God of the dead, amen? Sometimes we forget the hope we have. We forget the promise. 
We forget that we, like we have the columbarium right here in the back. That's for a reason. For thousands of years, for the first four hundreds of years of the church life, you know where they worshiped and did Eucharist? In the catacombs, in the graves. Why? Because they knew. They knew that when they came to this table, they were not alone at the meal. That their friends, their loved ones, were present because Christ is present. And so I will never forget. I had been with my sister for 72 hours. I had to look at my mom and I had to say, Mom, it's time. You've got to say goodbye. You've got to tell her it's okay. So she does. And my mom and my aunt, they leave. And not 10 to 15 minutes pass and my sister passes away. And I remember I take my cell phone, I go to the foot of her bed, I throw on some Lauren Daigle, and I worship, and I ugly cry. And then I have to pick up the phone and make the hardest call I've ever had to make in my life. Mom, your daughter is with Jesus. And in that moment, say goodbye, I get back on a plane, and <clears throat> I'm back in church on Sunday, and I go to the table, and brothers, sisters, I, there are no words, you, there are no words in that moment when I go to the table, all of a sudden this overwhelming sense of God's presence comes over me. And I know in that moment that the Lord says, Travis, you put your trust in me and you are right. I am real and I am here and so is your sister. He is so much more real than we could ever fathom. Maybe some of you need to hear that today. The reason why we can face our crosses, the reason why we can face difficult diagnosis, the reason why we can face loss and hardship is because we know that loss and hardship do not have the last word. It is Christ that has the last word. It is Christ that declares his great love for you. So many times when we talk about this text, we focus so much on the, cry, on the cross and while the cross is important, what's even greater still is the God who is behind it. The God who stands and declares, I love you. And there is nothing, nothing that will separate me from you. And so when you feel tempted to put your trust in something else, when you feel tempted to look beyond our God because, man, the situation or the circumstance in your life feels so much bigger. Remember who he is. Remember that his ways are greater. Cling tight to his promise. And remember that he is Lord, this same God who promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. 
even until the end of the age. So, as you feel the invitation from Christ himself to say, if you come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, would you be reminded, would you know that that's an invitation to place your trust in him, to place your trust in the promises that he's given you, and to walk boldly and confidently in the reality that you do not walk alone. You do not walk alone. Thanks be to God. We're not always gonna get it right. When we take up our cross, man, sometimes that cross is heavy and sometimes we drop it. But what I love is the promise we have in our birthday blessing. Every week we do the birthday blessings. As a matter of fact, Jonathan, Father Jonathan is about to come out and do the birthday blessings. And every time we do the birthday blessings, what does it say? Comfort them, we're discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall. Raise them up. We serve a God who goes with us. We serve a God that even when Peter is a bonehead, he walks with them. Even when Cramner fails, God comes through in the end. Even in my own life where my faith seems weak and too small, Jesus shows up and the Holy Spirit comes and my vision of Jesus is enlarged and enlivened. Maybe that's what you need today. May you see and realize just how real Jesus is in your life. Resist the temptation to make him small. Because he is the one who stood at the foundation of all things. All of my middle school, high school students and all Hermits and know my love for the gospel of John. But think about the prologue of the gospel of John. This is Jesus and the word was God. Right In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him all things were made. It's this Word that says, come after me. Follow me, for I am life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.